And as you turn your Bibles to Psalm 37, we're going to be continuing our, our sermon study and series in the first book of the Psalms. There's five big books, collections of Psalms, and we're examining in this season right now first book, the first book of Psalms, and we find ourselves this Sunday at Psalm 37. Before I read the psalm, we're going to break it into different parts and work through it slowly. It's 40 verses long. I want to set it up for you to understand why I think you will be helped by God's word. How Psalm 37 will be a blessing to you to read it, to memorize it, to meditate on it day and night. Earlier in the service, John Pay came up and he read for us Psalm 1. Some of you were here some 36 weeks ago when I gave the first message in this teaching series on Psalm 1. And I argued then, and I still maintain, that Psalm 1 is one of the most important introductions to all 150 psalms. The themes that John read for us in Psalm 1 help set the table for the rest of the book of Psalms. So he just read it for us, and we saw the theme that God will punish those who are wicked. The way of the wicked will lead to them perishing, but the way of the righteous, well, they will prosper. All that they do will prosper. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Six short verses, a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And why we had that psalm read is to refresh your memories. As we read Psalm 37, I want you to realize that Psalm 37 wants to simply address the big question we all struggle with, which is what happens when Psalm 1 seems to not be true? What happens when the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? What happens when I'm delighting myself in the law of the Lord day and night and I pray and I pray and God seems to not hear my prayer? And then my non-Christian neighbor isn't praying at all, and everything that I wanted, they got. Have you ever experienced this? Whether with non-Christian neighbors, friends, family members? How about even in the church? People here in the church that you're praying for a marriage, and they get engaged. You're praying for children, and you can't have any. You're praying for a new job, and your friend across the pew Somebody that's been praying for you, they got the promotion and the new job, etc. That's the situation we're talking about. What happens when somebody else gets the thing that we've been thinking we either deserve or that we've been wanting? That's what Psalm 37 is all about. It's taking Psalm 1 and it's giving you instruction, wisdom for how to deal with the disappointments of life. And look at the big picture and not get swallowed up in the moment-by-moment moment ups and downs of life. That's our psalm in terms of the big themes and ideas. And that's why I would encourage you to read Psalm 1 and Psalm 37 together. And I want us to do that now as we read Psalm 37. And let's look at the first 11 verses. On your handout, I have summarized that this First section is trust the Lord, even when the wicked prosper. Let's read these first 11 verses and see if you're already starting to see the themes of Psalm 1 expounded upon. 
A psalm of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noon day. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over those who prosper in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Let's pause there as we consider this first section of this psalm, Psalm 37. And let me first point out that this psalm is arranged, I think, in sections, but also acrostically. And that means that the Hebrew alphabet is being used, and generally, and there's a few exceptions, but generally, verses 1 and 2, every two verses begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So verses 1 and 2 begins with Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And verses 3 and 4 begins with Bet, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it continues. And so that's one structure. And we've seen this several times in our study of the first book of Psalms, that psalmists will use these kind of devices for meditation, for memorization, and to communicate points of thoroughness take an idea or a topic and say this is the beginning and the end, the A to Z of a topic. And so we're going to exhaust today a meditation of the psalmist David's psalm about the future of the wicked and the righteous. And if I could sum up what I said in the intro in one big idea, it would be verse 6 of Psalm 1. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As I mentioned, I think that Psalm 37 is trying to drive home the point that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows you when you are being faithful. He watches over all the events of the earth. His eyes are upon us. So he knows when you are doing right. And when the wicked seem to prosper for a short time, you can trust in the Lord. Commit your way to him and know that he will See to it that righteousness and justice will be done. So big idea is Psalm 1, verse 6, is being expounded upon. I'm telling you those little caveats, those, yeah, but what about this? What about when the wicked seem to prosper? The Lord knows. He knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So trust the Lord even when the wicked prosper. Did you see that repeated command, do not fret? Verse 1, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. When I hear the word fret in English, I often think, don't, don't worry. Don't get all worked up. 
The word in Hebrew is do not be kindled like a boiling pot that's about to burst in anger. Which matches what you read later in the psalm, verse 8 and verse 9. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. There it is again. It tends only to evil. Oh, brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, I wonder, as we have just passed the two-year anniversary of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we enter in on a new season of global war, is there ever a moment in the last two years that you've needed Psalm 37 to be applied to your heart? Maybe today. Would it be helpful to be reminded that when you don't know the future, when there is uncertainty about what's going to happen, and when you see people in the world that seem to be getting away with evil, you might start to get angry. This psalm is telling you, fret not. It will only lead to more evil. But how? How in the world are you going to do that? In a very helpful book by Christopher Ashe on getting to the heart of anger, recently published by Crossway, he talks about the heart of anger, which our psalm is very much concerned with in the first 11 verses. And he explains that one of the problems we have regarding why we boil over into anger is because we don't know the future. We do not feel in control. And whenever something that we really want is threatened or being taken from us, we get angry. Now, Chris Rash gives several other reasons we might get angry, but isn't that a good summary of Psalm 37? Do not be angry when you're uncertain about the future. Are any of you uncertain about the gas prices? Any of you uncertain about the economy? Any of you uncertain about global affairs? Any of you uncertain about what's going to happen in the next wave of the pandemic? Any of you uncertain about your family, your marriage, your friendships, this church? Any uncertainties? Do you know what's going to happen the rest of today? How about tomorrow? Doesn't scripture tell us time and time again? Your life is like a vapor, and you should not presume tomorrow. What do you know? What do you know what next week's going to look like? You don't. And that's why when you feel uncertain, you feel like the world is spinning out of control, I don't know what to do. Sometimes, if not oftentimes, you fret. You get angry. And you are revealing your heart is not trusting the Lord who is in control. You're not trusting Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that precisely what our psalm tells us in verse 3? Trust in the Lord. Continue to do good. Don't grow weary in doing good, as the New Testament will command it. Instead, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. The solution to your anger problem, especially if it's about fears of the future, uncertainties about what tomorrow will hold, the lack of feeling like you're in control, or the thing that you most love is being threatened, Psalm 37 tells you, put your trust in the God who has all of those things in control and holds your future inheritance securely. Are you believing 
Is this your heart right now, or is Psalm 37 a timely word for you today? The solution to your problems of anger, your worry, your anxiety, is to further submit yourself to the promises of God, trusting that he knows the way of the righteous, he knows the wicked, and the wicked will perish. Don't get concerned about their ways and the way that they seem to prosper. Trust the one who will deal it all out in the end. This is very much a psalm that repeatedly causes you to say, stop getting stuck in the moment-by-moment responses and knee-jerk reactions to the things happening week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year. Step back and see the way that God controls all of human history. And notice the way this section ends with verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. We'll say more about this at the end, but for those of you that know the Bible well, maybe you've read Jesus' teachings before, the meek will inherit the earth, the land. Should ring a bell, should sound familiar. More on that, but let's move to the next section. Psalm 37, verses 12 to 22. Trust the Lord to judge the wicked. How can you have confidence when you see people who do terrible things in your life or in the world and they seem to get away with it? You can have confidence in God that he will see their wickedness. He will judge them. Verses 12 to 22. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. Well, there that phrase happened again. Did you notice that we talked about inheriting the land of the earth from verse 11? And then notice back in verse 9. For the evildoers shall be, and what's the phrase? Cut off. We keep seeing that phrase again. Inheritance and cutting off. Inheritance and cutting off. Well, in fact, when you look at your handout, the little outline of the sections is based on the units that end with inheritance and cutting off. And that's why we're working through the psalm in this manner. We're trusting in the Lord because he keeps reminding his people that in the future you will have an inheritance. And there will be judgment of those who have rejected God in his ways. They will be cut off. And that's why we close this little section with verse 22. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For the 
Those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. Trust the Lord. He will judge the wicked. Those that are greedy for gain, that borrow a bunch of money. Have you ever had somebody borrow money and say, oh, I'll pay you back, and then they never do. And then it seems like they got away with it. Whereas the righteous person is being described here as just full contentment with what little they have. Do you notice that? Better in verse 16 is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. A trusted heart full of contentment because they have delighted themselves in the Lord and not in stuff. Bring the first two sections together. Psalm 37 is used a lot by prosperity preaching to tell you that if you delight yourself in God, he'll give you whatever you want. Isn't that ridiculous? He will give you whatever you want. I want a Lamborghini. Well, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you a Lamborghini. You just need to trust him for it. That is not what Psalm 37 is about at all. This is a classic example of taking a well-known Bible verse, plucking it out, and using it, misusing it, for evil purposes, to encourage people to love prosperity and to love stuff more than God. The point of Psalm 37 verse 4 is to delight yourself in God so that he changes your desires, not gives you the desires of your flesh. That's why the psalm keeps going. That's why you don't just take a verse and rip it out of context. You read the rest of the psalm and it says, in fact, if you're a righteous person, you can have very little because you're content, better, Contented is the person that has just a little bit. I don't need a Lamborghini, just a car. I don't need a big house, just a house. I don't need a big, big family, just whatever the Lord will give. You name it, whatever those things that you're desiring so badly for, they could become a God thing that you want more than anything else. This psalm is telling you to delight yourself in the Lord. Commit to Him. And he will even change your desires so that you're like, you know, when I first became a Christian, I had all these dreams and ambitions. Now I have new dreams, new ambitions, new desires. I used to really think these things were really important in my life. Success, prosperity, love, romance, etc., etc. Good things. Now I know that those things could come and go. Gas prices could keep soaring. The economy could fall apart. We could be in a global third world war. Delighting in the law of the Lord day and night. And I know in the end, my inheritance will be secure. Brothers and sisters, this is what it means to trust God today. This day in human history, be reminded that God knows the days of the blameless. He knows the way of the righteous. And the wicked, they will perish. They will be cut off. So let's be generous, very practically. We want to align ourselves with God's ways. I think this psalm is encouraging generosity, contentment. Obviously, I think one practical application could be we can give to this local church to support the work of the gospel. I don't regularly talk about giving money to the church because I think so many people are so fed up with pastors getting up and talking about money over and over again. It just seems like all they're wanting is money. So we don't say that a lot. But this psalm is telling us that it is good to be generous. And one way to be generous is to serve the church by being generous. And so, if you'd like to give to this church, we have an online giving platform. You can give to that. But friends, if you don't want to give to Embassy Church, be generous. 
for the good of your soul, for the safety and salvation of, of everybody around by helping share with those that are in need. I mean, some of us are going to have economic difficulties if things don't go in a better direction. Are we going to share or are we going to hoard? Are you going to stockpile in your house just for you and your family or are you going to do that for the sake of others? I wonder how much Christ's example of giving fully of himself is being deeply massaged into your life, your value system, the way you think about the world. Is it all about me and mine? Or is there a generous spirit that knows you go after those things of the world. I have a better inheritance. The earth in the world to come without sin, without frustration and toil. So trust the Lord. He will judge the wicked in the end. Trust the Lord. He will bless the faithful. Verse 23 to 29. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so you shall dwell forever, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. And there you have it again in verses 28 and 29. The children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. And in fact, the righteous, their children will become a blessing, verse 26 says. So you find in verse 25 a little, little comment about our author, David. He says, I'm now an old man. I used to be a young man. I was naive. I didn't know things. I know things now. I know that the longer life goes on, the more I observe how God works in the world. And I have seen time and time again that God is faithful to the righteous. I wonder how many of you need to listen to older people in this room. Like part of being at a church is not centering our lives around people that are the same age as us. Younger people. There's a lot of you in the room. There are older folks in this room. I think it would be really wise to ask some of those older folks in the room, no offense, older folks, we love you. We want you. We want more older folks because you have seen the way the world works time and time again. It would be really helpful for younger people to realize what David's saying. God is faithful again and again and again. I think listening to those that have experienced life in that manner helps encourage us to see that God will pass on his faithfulness from generation to generation. I wonder how many of you parents really are struggling with anger because you can't control your children. How many of us think that our parenting is very much about how well we're doing at disciplining them, getting them in the right schools, the right routines and rhythms? We're trying to control. And then our children end up being uncontrolled. And we get angry with them, or we get angry with God. I want to just remind you that the scriptures say, especially in this section of Psalm chapter 37, that the Lord will bless and pass on faithfulness to those who put their trust in him instead of try and control things their own way. The Lord will bring rich, rich blessing when day after day, the end of the day, you say, with your spouse, 
Christine and I do this almost every day. I've mentioned this before. We close out the day. We end in prayer. And one of the things we do often in that prayer time, especially as parents, is God, we gave it our best. We tried our best. They're in your hands now. What a great little thing for you to start doing with your children, for those of you who are parents. And say, Lord, if you're going to bless, if they're going to turn out in any sort of way that's righteous, it will not be because of our excellent parenting. Forgive us for our many failures. And bless them on the basis of your mercy. This is what God is saying about the children of the righteous. Blessed by the Lord for those who will inherit that blessing. And it will be passed down from generation to generation. And that's the specific blessing that's being talked about in this middle section, verses 23 to 29. So trust him. Trust him that he will judge the wicked. Trust him that he knows the way of the righteous and he knows the way of the wicked and the wicked's ways will perish. Next section, verses 30 to 34, says that we can trust the Lord by waiting upon him. In verse 30, it says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked cut off. See how this theme is being developed? Verse 34. I want you to wait on the Lord. I know as you watch out, the wicked are trying to plot their schemes of violence. That's what you see in verses 32 and 33. But notice the way there, verse 34 says, I want you to wait. I want you to wait and not knee-jerk react to news headlines this week. I want you to wait upon the Lord's righteous vindication and justice. And you will see in the very end your exaltation to the land, and you will watch the wicked be cut off. What a statement. It's not just that they will, it's that you will be participants in giving testimony to the righteousness of God. When you read the book of Revelation, there's actually psalms of praise that are praising God for his fulfillment of this promise. Psalms of praise to say, God, we praise you that you judge the wicked. That's in the Bible. I actually think some of you that are talented with music songwriting and poetry, I want you to start thinking about how, as a church, we can sing songs that aren't just about God's love, but about God's justice, about his righteousness. The psalms are filled with that theme. The book of Revelation says that we'll be forever proclaiming the God who did what Psalm 37 does. Wouldn't it be great if we had a song that was easy to sing, helpful for us to sing and celebrate, that God will vindicate the righteous and he will punish the wicked. I think that this is one of the key themes of all the Psalms, and it's obviously being expounded upon from Psalm 1 to now Psalm 37. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. We'll continue on in the last two sections. Notice that Verses 35 to 38 say, trust the Lord with your future. And then finally, verses 39 and 40, trust the Lord to save the righteous from the wicked. So starting in verse 35, I've seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. He passed away. Behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. 
Mark the blameless, and behold, the upright. For there is a future for the man of peace, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Two concluding thoughts as we wrap up Psalm 37. First, notice in that section in verses 35 to 38, the way that Psalm David is writing and saying as a psalmist, I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. And this is one of those moments where you should be reminded of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord. He is like a, a tree planted by streams of water in his leaf. It prospers. It does not wither. And now we see that it's the wicked man who seems to be like a steady tree. The reverse of the roles is being expounded upon in Psalm 37. Wait, Psalm 1 said that the righteous one who delights in the law of the Lord, his way will be filled with prosperity and he'll be like a tree. But I look out and I see evil doers. They look like prosperous trees. And that's why you see that the end of that man, verse 36, is he was a tree that passed away. He was no more. Though I sought him who could not be found. I looked and looked. The tree's gone. So much for never withering. That was just a short temporary season of prosperity. And it didn't last. Oh, brothers and sisters. Oh, how I plead with you. Don't get caught up in the day to day and the week to week. Step back and see the bigger picture that Psalm 37 is trying to provide for you. There are many people who seem to be prosperous now and you get jealous angry and envious of their situation. And within about five years from now, you won't even know who they are anymore. How often does this happen with people in news? Celebrities? People that are on monuments? Go down to downtown Chicago, and how many monuments will you find? And you won't even know who they are unless you read the subscription of it. They used to be great. Everybody used to think they were amazing. You don't even know who they are. That's what it's like to seek vain, empty fame Wealth, prosperity here and now. It will just come, it will go. And if we reorient our lives toward the purposes of God and put our trust in him, we will know that we will be like the Psalm 1 righteous man, the blameless one and the upright, who has a future, as Psalm 37, verse 37 says, of peace. And that's the Hebrew word shalom, of fullness, of wholeness. The transgressors, though, they will be destroyed and their future will be cut off. That's why I said this is a song about the future. You see the way the song ends? It says that the future of the wicked will be cut off, but the future of the upright will be peace. I think that's what many of you are here for. You're longing for and desiring a world full of peace. In your own personal life, in your family, in the world. You're tired of hearing about war, aren't you? You want peace. Come, Lord Jesus, bring peace. That's why our psalm concludes in the last couple verses telling us precisely how that will come about. You can have hope. You can trust the Lord because verses 39 and 40 say salvation will come to the righteous by the Lord. Through the Lord. From the Lord. Where does salvation come? 
you're not a Christian, this is a very important point where you find all over the Bible. Salvation is from God. Deliverance, help, rescue, remaking the whole heaven and earth will happen, and it doesn't come from our efforts. It comes from God's grace. So believe in salvation being from the Lord, of the Lord, by grace. And God will be the stronghold in your time of trouble, now and especially in the future. And verse 40 concludes and says, The Lord helps them and delivers them, them being the righteous. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because of them taking refuge in him. So as we've worked all the way through Psalm 37, do you see some of the parallels with Psalm 1 and Psalm 37? Did you notice those as we worked through it? About trees and withering and prosperity and about the righteous versus the wicked. Hope that you could see. Like, okay, I get it, Pastor Phil. But let's go back 36 weeks. The message on Psalm 2. I did not just argue Psalm 1 was the introduction to the Psalter, but Psalm 2 is also like the other door, like two doors opened up and saying, here's the theme of all the Psalms. It's not just the way of the wicked will perish, and the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's one theme. So meditate on God's ways, Psalm 1. Psalm 2 is that the nations will rage against God's anointed king. They will plot in vain, and they will try and destroy God's purposes. But God sits in the heavens, and he laughs. He thinks it's a joke what the peoples of the world are trying to do, as if they're in control. And he says that he has set his king on his holy hill, and they will be the one that triumphs over the wicked. That king will bring forth justice and righteousness. So kiss the sun. Pay homage. Give worship to the son that God has chosen as his one who will bring the righteousness and justice that's being talked about in Psalm 1. And then Psalm 2 ends by seek refuge in the king. Now if you go back and read all of Psalm 37, you will see key words from Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. God laughing in the heavens plotting in vain, the nations raging, that's the same word we saw in verse 1 about boiling over, the nations are boiling over against God, and God laughs in the heavens as he brings about his purposes with his son, his anointed son. Hmm, I wonder how we get the fulfillment of Psalm 37, and why you, especially today in 2022, can trust the Lord. Because his son is none other than Jesus Christ. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God came down upon him, and the heavens opened, and God the Father spoke out of the heavens, Psalm 2. This is my beloved son. Marking out that if you were wondering, who's the one that's going to bring forth with an iron scepter justice against the wicked and the unrighteous? Who's going to do that? Was it David? No. Was it Solomon? No. Was it one of their sons? No. But a further descendant of David, Jesus, would be born. And God would open heaven and tell everyone in the whole world, Jesus is that son. So take refuge in this son, this king. And then, shortly after his baptism, Jesus walked up on a mountain, sat down, and started teaching his disciples. And he said these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think that Psalm 37 was on Jesus' mind in several elements, but especially what we saw in verse 5 of Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's precisely what we saw in Psalm 37. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. But Jesus doesn't just say the land of Israel. They shall inherit the whole earth, because when Christ came, and he was chosen and anointed on his baptism, he was declared, this is the son, this is the one that will bring, with an iron scepter, judgment against the righteous, the unrighteous, and the wicked. That Jesus brought about an inheritance, but not as one who comes conquering like a king on a horse about to take over, but one who was conquered on a cross. So when you study Psalm 37, realize that the inheritance that's being talked about in the land gets expounded upon by Jesus himself, and we know that there will be an abundance of peace precisely because the Son of God, Jesus Christ, took on flesh, lived this world in a way that you and I should have lived, and never fretted in the way that Psalm 37 is describing. Never flew off the handle with boiling rage, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, even when that meant willingly suffering on a cross. That's the example for us to follow as we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, as we put our trust in him. Essentially, it's this. You look at God in the person of Christ, and you ask yourself, did the Lord help Jesus and deliver him and save him from the wicked because of Christ's taking refuge in the hands of the Father? Well, if he did that for him, raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the Father, so that Jesus Christ would be a part of seeing the wicked be cast out and the righteous be exalted into the land and the inheritance of the earth. If that happened to Jesus, then I think you can step back and say, my future is secure. My inheritance is not going to be in threat. There's, there's no danger for your future. So you live right now, in this moment, today. You might feel uncertain about certain matters in the country, in the world, in your bank account. Whatever those things are that's causing you to worry, to fret, to be angry. And I believe that the gospel makes all the difference. It really can transform your heart. The desires of your heart can be changed as you submit yourself and trust the Lord. So let's pray that God would give us the ability to do that now and that we would apply God's word in this way. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to give you thanks and praise for the ways that you have saved us through the Son, Jesus Christ. We want to ask that Psalm 37 would be memorized meditated upon and applied. 
Help us when we're feeling confused, thinking, we thought that you would judge the wicked. And when they prosper, we start to wonder if your promises are still true. Help us to look at the cross of Christ and remember that when it seems like the wicked are winning, they're actually being defeated. We thank you for these promises. We thank you for the way that the inheritance of the land has been expanded upon and that there is a new heaven and a new earth that is filled with full peace and abundance of peace. We thank you that no matter how angry we might feel, there is a solution to that anger that will not lead to more evil, but will help us to put our hope and trust in you, the one who is the most righteously angry about wickedness, that we know that you will handle it much, much better than we will. Lord, I pray for parents. Pray for those that are really struggling with not being able to control the will of their children. That they would learn how to put their children in your hands. Do their best, learn, grow in wisdom, but remember at the end of the day, they are yours. God, in so many ways, I pray that we will grow in wisdom. That we will respond with righteousness. That we will walk faithfully in your ways. We ask, God, that this would bring you much glory and praise. We ask in Jesus' name.